from Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict, episode 487. Today's show is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens, Harry's, and Kenro Industries. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Brad Daddy. Hi, Brad. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Pretty good, my friend. How are you? I think pretty good, you know, to be right. determined. We'll see how this show goes. Then that'll, that'll affect my mood the rest of the day. I'm pretty excited about today's topic. Oh, yeah? You think? Yeah. Why wouldn't I be? Huh? Well, I mean, because it's going to be me rambling incoherently for like 30 minutes. Right. That's fair enough. <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, isn't that's what I tune in for. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know me, the 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 man with the clean copy, right? Is is this guy right here? So mm-hmm. we're just gonna we're gonna ramble for a while on the on the state of stationary, Mike, and uh, should be an interesting topic. I mean, it doesn't really seem no different to any other episode, but we'll find out. Uh, how, how's Nenocomo going for you? <laughs> Good. You know, I, think? I, th- I think of Perry Como is now what I think mm. of whenever I say that. Um, you yes, uh, me not so much, but yeah, uh-huh. go f- go with that. That sounds that sounds. Yeah, that sounds right for you. I I, I get that. Uh, Nano Como to to me just sounds like super fake, uh, <laughs> made up thing. But like that's what I'm good at is or like we super can fake go made up things. Nano Como, I like Nanocomo. that too. That sounds like Kokomo. That's the, yeah, that's definitely up your alley. Like this is strictly you, right? Like that is Aruba. Just keep singing. Why does why? Mm. What has happened to me where I just keep finding new songs to sing on this show? I don't. <sighs> I don't know why a, this has occurred. I think you're to blame, though. I mean, I'll take I don't the do blame. It anywhere else. I'll, I'll, I'll take the blame. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's fair. Blame well placed, I think. So, um, we'll, we'll take it. We like the, uh, the distractions every now and then. Um, it's, it's good to have fun on the podcast, Mike, and that's what we do. So, so is that where you want to go? Straight down to Nanokomo? Yeah, let's go straight down to Nanokomo. Okay. And this is God. This is going to be a problem for twenty more days after this. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I'm taking some time. Actually, no, it's all of November, right? I'm here for all of November. So that's what you've I'm got saying. This. All yeah. Right. Uh, so overall, mm-hmm. I have to say it's going well. Okay. Um, I have not been perfect. Um, and you know when we we talked about me trying to do this, and then did a quick update last week. Um, I talked about how. What I'm trying to do is not a creativity problem, which is what the traditional NaNoWriMo you you do know, not helps have people with. Writer's with. block issues, right? So for me, it's solving. It's a time management, you know, equation that I'm trying to solve, right? So how can I find the time to write the words that I want to to hit to reach a goal by the end of November? Right, and so. also the, there is an so you might you know people might say well that just you know, there's always a time management issue with NaNoWriMo yeah. anyway, but yeah, one of the th- benefits of NaNoWriMo is creative fulfillment. You know, like you right. might not worry so much about spending all that time because you're on like a real kick and like your the words are just flowing out of you. Right, you never get that because yeah. all you are doing is is just transcribing. You you know there is never right. a moment where you're gonna be like, oh man, I've I've can't wait to get this part done. Like it's not gonna, there isn't any right. real difference in that. Right, and the the challenge that I have is I really like a fifteen minute block doesn't do me any good. Where if I was doing NaNoWriMo, I could be sitting in the carpool and banging out you know two hundred words 
you know, on my phone real quick and then, you know, catch that later and just do that a few times a day and kind of, kind of get to, to a spot with me. What I'm having problem with is trying to fit in two hour blocks. And that's probably the wrong way of looking at it. Like I, I get that, right. I should take my 30 minutes when I can and write two pages or one page that so I can get like one page done. Um, you know, 300 words takes me about 25 minutes. So I'm, I don't have these stop and start blocks. I'm having to find these huge blocks of time to sit and write. And this past Saturday, I had no time and, you know, just like literally no time to like stop and put the pen to the paper because when I wasn't doing whatever thing I was doing on Saturday, I just wanted to sit <laughs> like I didn't want to be writing like I wanted a break. So, you know, I didn't have that much time. So I was like, OK, today's going to be a miss. So I got zero on Saturday, but I also knew Sunday I would have a decent amount of time to at least, you know, get back on the goal, if not more, which my goal is 1500 words a day. That's five written pages. That only puts me at 45,000 words for the month. So, you know, that's, that's around, that's what I'm shooting for. So I would love to hit 50. Um, and I still can. Mm. So when I hit these zeros, like I don't necessarily plan on making it up the next day because like, that's, that's, uh, uh, you know, a snowball you you that goes downhill really fast you can't mm. get behind any time which i think we talked about last week so sunday i caught up with 2400 words right i didn't do like a full 3000 that would have taken two days worth of writing into one but i got 2400 i was like hey i feel pretty good about that so and then i missed yesterday so i've already missed a second day and i'm already trying to make up for it this morning so i've been writing before we got online this morning so it's figuring out when the times are for me to write and my days are so busy. They're so, my days are so chopped up. Like I don't have a lot of bulk and physically handwriting this book. I need to feel like I'm, I have a certain, certain writing setup for at least a, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to commit or else I'm not going to sit and do anything. So See, this is why I would ask like, what the desired result is of this like do you want to have done 50,000 words at the end so you've done that over the month or yeah. are you really trying to just do some every day like they're two different things and they have different solves for them I mm, do you see what I'm asking one. you yes even though I kind of see them the same thing because if I but, hit number one I'm generally going to get I'll be happy yeah. with number two, even yes. though I didn't do it every single day. Exactly, but that's the, my point, is if you, at the end of it, if you've hit 50,000 words, but you skipped 10 days, right? Have is that an, is that the achievement yes. that you want? Okay. Yes, okay. I want the bulk. I want the you bulk. You want the bulk, all right, cool. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, all right. So how much time does it take you every day to do the daily quota? Uh, about two and a half hours. Okay. So, and I've been finding the time that's at a, night to do that. Day, man. It is. It that's is. So, and like during like the daytime, say like your waking hours up until like say early evening, my days are generally full, right? Mm -hmm. So, what I've been doing is I've been writing at night, say from like 8 to 10 p.m. or 9 to 11, trying to get 
as much as I can get done. And I can get most of it done during that time. And I'm like, okay with that. Like that's worked out pretty well. The thing, honestly, that that's keeping me going is that I really am enjoying doing this. You know, it doesn't feel like a chore or torture or anything like that. That's good. As I've gotten into, after I got to about day three, I, I realized that I'm kind of enjoying doing this, that I can zone out and I don't, I just end up writing the pages and not necessarily have the count, um, even though I, I generally know in the back of my head what the count's like. Um, so, yeah, it's, I'm actually really enjoying it and that makes me want to push to to finish it and or at least meet my goals. And, um, you know, I like using the pens. I like, I like using the paper. I'm enjoying reading the book again that I chose, which is mm-hmm. the bone weaver's orchard. Um, so I'm at, I'm to the point now in the book, even though I know the story, I'm at the point where I can't read the book fast enough. Cause I want to remember what happens next, even though I've already read it, you know, so that keeps me going. That's like, well, I got to write the words so I can keep reading the story because I'm enjoying the story and uh, writing the words about it. So it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing um, that's wanting to, to push me to, to move it along because I am enjoying it that much. So it's a, it's a big learning experience, right? This is a very different thing for me. Um, it's still physically hard, right? By the time I get to, like, I'm good for about four pages when I get to the fifth page, when I'm doing it all in one session, say like that two, two and a half hour block. When I get to the last page, my hand is exhausted. Right, like my wrist is just tired, and I have to push through to get um, to that fifth page. But if I'm going to do it, I can't. I don't like stopping short on a day. If anything, I'll want to go to the the goal or over. But like, I don't really do great with like a 600 word day. Like that wouldn't. I tend to not start those days. Those days end to be end up being zeros. Uh, probably more times than not. And that's probably a mistake in in the way I'm trying to figure this out, right? So like I had maybe about 45 minutes before we jumped on today between all my tasks this morning and when we started recording. So I got 500 words down on the page. Awesome. So I'm already behind from yesterday. So I will have a block of about maybe 45 minutes this afternoon. And then I won't be free again until 7 7:30 tonight and then I'll I'll write some more. So it's really it's really a figuring out the time management, really letting myself free up to write for 15 minutes if 15 minutes is all I have, which I haven't been doing. Like I haven't figured that part out yet mentally because I do like the properness of, you know, making it look good. You know, does my handwriting look good if I'm writing in the car? Is everything going to be worse? And, you know, I'm not going to be able to hold everything, you know, how I want it laid out. And, you know, I'm all convoluted trying to write. And do I just get frustrated? Like, that's a negative for me. Like, if I get, if I'm ever frustrated writing, like, it's not going to go well. And, you know, that it either looks bad or I'm uncomfortable. So I haven't really pushed those small time frames um, very much, which is leading to some misses. But overall... I'm happy with the mindset that I am enjoying what I'm doing. And I wasn't sure I was going to, to be perfectly honest, right? 
All right, so let's talk about some of the tools that I'm using. Not okay. not too much. It's still obviously a work in progress. So I, I did some quick math, just so you know, on the nine days that we've had up till now, I've done 39 pages, 300 words a page, 11,700 words. So that mm-hmm. puts me at like 1,300 words a day. So that's like the scope. That doesn't sound bad, but the more days I miss, the worse that number looks, right? <laughs> like yeah. It's harder to get that number up than it is to, to, uh, than it is to lower it and, and make mm-hmm. it look worse. So anyway, um, I've used, I kind of pick a different pen per day, right? Like I'm not basing it on chapters or pages, but like about every five pages I switch. So I've used used one tooth so i've used nine pins so far so we're on to day 10 i'll be using my 10th pin all been fountain pens so far um i will soon switch over to doing some more standard pens some pencils just to see how that goes like what i'm am i going to enjoy writing with that am i going to enjoy like the process as much as i've been enjoying using my pens and inks i've had any hand fatigue definitely i'm wondering Um, if it'll be any different with different material like different pens or pencils or whatever yep that's totally what i want to try to gauge i didn't what i should have done at the beginning since all the the fountain pens are kind of different you know different shapes different weights different feel to kind of have like just a feel rating like say like a one through ten when i'm done with this session was like you know did i feel pretty okay like not so great or like really terrible and i didn't track that because there's been some days where i've barely been able to finish so yeah i want to know with some of these other pens and pencils how or if if i notice a difference in the way i write with a fountain pen nib versus a standard pen or pencil so we'll see that will be coming up soon maybe next week we will discuss that so yeah i've you know knocked out three pens so far like i've drained mm-hmm. them you know from whatever they were inked up with so that feels good so like overall big picture i'm happy with how it's going um still working on uh, figuring some things out even 10 days into it and but uh i'm, I'm gonna keep going like there's there's no end in sight i'm just gonna see off how far i can get and how much i can push it all right let's take a break we've got a lot to get to today uh, all right this episode is brought to you in part by our friends at harry's if you're heading back into the office you might think it's time to get that back that fresh clean all business look and harry's can help If you don't know Harry's, it's time you do. Harry's was created to be different from other shaving companies. They craft high-quality, long-lasting blades with durable weighted handles that make a close, comfortable shave quick and enjoyable. And because Harry's insists that you shouldn't have to choose between a great shave and a fair price, they just give you both. With refill blades that start as low as $2, it is an easy decision. And new Harry's customers get their starter set, which includes a 5-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and travel cover, for just 30 it's a 13 dollar value i should say you, you get all of that stuff for just three dollars which is an incredible deal plus harry's offers a whole range of amazing face and body care products delivered right to your door brad i know that you love harry's right i i do you you got to get the deal it's like the, it's like the biggest no-brainer deal of of all the deals and as you know mike i'm back to the office right like my <laughs> like my desk in my room and i want to look good every time i show up to work you're and streaming you know what? i do i big big streaming boy uh-huh. over here gotta look good so it's funny i still to this day as old as i am i still only shave every other day and harry's makes me look awesome every stream day which happens uh to be tuesdays and thursdays is when i'm the most clean shaven and uh i thank harry's for that 
All right, you can go and check this out for yourself right now because there's never been a better time to try Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash penaddict and you can get your starter set for just three bucks. It's a 100% satisfaction guaranteed, so you've got nothing to lose. That's harrys.com slash penaddict right now to get this special offer. I'll spell that for you. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash penaddict. Thanks to Harry's for the support of this show and Relay FM. Big topic today, Mike. Chunky. Chunky topic. Um, Interesting topic. So I have titled this segment of the show The State of Stationery. And that's a big, broad, bold topic. And my thoughts contained within are not necessarily big and bold and broad, but are just kind of my current thinking on where we're at right now. Like we got a couple of questions last week for the show that weren't directly related, but you can see the links to them. And we were going to go through them last week. And I said, give me some time to, to at least think about this, you know, rub the two brain cells that I have together and see what I can come up with. Um, the first question from Blue Magister, are we in peak pen? Not much new tech, but endless variations of existing products. Where is the innovation going to come from? And then a separate question the same day, shortly after, from Doc Krog, both of these on Twitter. I'm always interested to hear your guys' thoughts on the rise in cost of materials. Field Notes just sent an email talking about their soon-to-be-raised prices again. Is this just the way things are? Oh, this is just the way things are, of course, but where do you guys think this trend leads? Right. So those are two, those are big questions, right? That's not a uh, 240 character response type of questions, but these are the types of questions I love because I think about this stuff all the time, but don't really have like the deep knowledge inner workings of the big pen companies, right? Like mm-hmm. we don't necessarily know. Like I'm not going through you know, pilots annual reports to see how the pin business is going necessarily, but I look at it more from, you know, where I sit and almost from a consumer perspective um, to kind of get a feel of where I think these are, right? Like I'm not an analyst, right? I'm not, I'm not writing documentation and getting all the numbers, but I just kind of thinking about how I feel about the industry right now. So I thought I would try to tackle that a little bit today. How's that sound? Yeah, it sounds awesome. All right, so I tried to think about this with a little bit of a breakdown in mind, kind of three categories to go through. At least this is kind of how I think of stationary for me personally. Um, And, you know, there's, again, this is an open-ended conversation. I'm not saying any of this stuff is is factually correct or, or accurate. It's just kind of how I see it, how I kind of feel about it. And I would love to hear some feedback on this. Tell me where I'm right. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me what else I need to be considering. So things like that as we go through this. So three categories I decided to break this conversation down were your standard pens, right? The stuff you buy at the store or your basic, you know, $1 to $3 pen, your gel pens, your ballpoints, you know, they could be just the basic stuff off the shelf. They could be, you know, something you buy that you go on the hunt for on the internet, stuff like that. Then the second category I listed was specialty stationery. Um, I think a lot of us are, are in this realm to where, like this is where things like the the bullet journals come in and the Midori Traveler's Notebook come in. And we'll talk about what I feel is like the specialty stationery. Retro 51, they're in this category, right? So there's a specialty stationery category. And then the third category, I separated out completely fountain pens and inks. 
because I think they deserve their own category. They're also the most complex slash least insignificant, least significant category, uh, despite what we think about fountain pens in, in the big picture, I think. So we'll, we'll, we'll explore that a little bit more. So my one caveat in all of this, and well, I say one caveat, I probably have a lot of caveats, right, Mike? <laughs> um, I'm super biased towards stationary, right? Like I love stationary. Like maybe my glasses are, are rose colored right now, right? So keep that in mind. Like we've talked about bias in the past, like review bias way back in the day when that was a thing, when pen blogs started to become popular. And it was like, yes, I'm biased. I'm biased towards good stationery. So <laughs> you should keep this in mind. MKBHD had a really good video about this once talking mm-hmm. about bias in tech. And mm-hmm. what he said that I liked was everybody is biased. Mm-hmm. learn what you think they're biased about and then kind of stack it against other people and then your own biases. And then right. you can kind of like understand, you kind of like over time of listening to someone or watching someone or hearing somebody's opinions, you can get an idea for how they match with your opinions. That's exactly right. I agree with that. I really like so, that idea. Yep. So that's the way we always think about it. It's like, I have opinion about a product. That doesn't mean like the product's good for you. You should take my opinion in the context with, you know, some other things you read and other opinions and other reviews and then build kind of a, a, an overall idea and then see how that fits with you. Right. You don't take anyone's direct word for it. Um, you just kind of build, build the story and, and figure out if it relates to you well. So yes, very well said. All right. Let's start in the order that I listed these categories. The store, bought, slash standard pens. Um, I, I love this category. I, I This is my favorite category. I've mentioned this recently when we were talking about the OKB48 um, vote that was going on for the most popular ballpoint pens in Japan. So I, I just think it's a great category. There's a ton of just years old, decades-old products that that live here, the products we know and love, the Pilot G2, the Uniball Signo, the Pentel Intergel, all of those pens. Is there a lot of innovation here to kind of um, tackle the the first part of the, the question that we received? I think people will jump to say no, that there's not a lot of innovation here. I can't argue with that because what we see on the shelves are that companies are just, you know, sw- quick to slap some new colors and new barrel skins on um except notably the pilot g2 <laughs> which has not changed in what two decades now i don't even know how long it's been out but it's been a I while think that's to its benefit now yes it's the most popular gel ink pen in the world sales wise and i remember back when pilot claimed that and i actually got them to send me the <laughs> <laughs> the 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 details behind that and like the press and the 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 links and I remember getting that back in the day that it was actually like seemed like a valid test that they did to come up with this marketing line and it seems to be real and yeah like you know what a Pilot G two looks like right so should they change it who am I to say like obviously not right they seem to be doing pretty good um but also in these categories you get some innovation that that kind of does change things like ink formulations, right? The Uniball Jetstream kind of came out of the ether when the Uniball Signo was popular and the Uniball Vision was popular. 
and there was nothing really unique for a ballpoint pen ink, and Uniball spent the time and money and research to put forth the Jetstream, and it's mm-hmm. become a core product now, not just a fluke product. You know, I think that's innovation. Same thing goes for the Pilot Friction. You know, some people may hate that pen, and you know, rightfully so, but what it is it is real, and it works well, and it changed how some people use pens, and they love the Pilot Friction for what it is. So, you also have to understand I'm looking at this through the U.S. market, right? I'm looking at this through the market I'm in. In Japan, there's way more innovation and there's way more positive reception to the innovation. I don't know about in the U.K., but in the U.S., you would never go to a big box retailer like Staples or Office Max and find a multi-pin, right? You just wouldn't. Those types of things don't exist. But in Japan, all of the big companies have huge wide varieties of multi-pins and allows the uh, consumer to mix and match and build things and they have all these more specific products to solve more specific problems you know it could be those multi-pins it could be faster drying gel inks it could be like the kukuyo beetle tip like a split tip highlighter different types of markers all those things in japan are highly innovative and over there, they're practically normal, where over here, people would freak out. It's like, oh, what is this pen? I don't know what to do with this. And, you know, that's not how we stock the office supply cabinet. And it's too expensive, even though, you know, it's it's $3 instead of $1, right? That's a huge deal for like an office. So I think the innovation is it really is there in that level of pen. And we see it time and time again like i mentioned before the okb 48 like we see things on that list that we've never seen before someone like myself who is really really into this stuff you know last year one of like the top five pens was a pen from zebra that i had never seen before and you could argue is you know the zebra blend innovative Mm, i don't i don't know but it's at least new and it's different from the zebra sarasa that they always have available so in that category, I'd say there's a moderate level of innovation. I'd say, based on where you live, regionality plays into how you feel about mm-hmm. that market, right? I would argue that in the U.S., most stationary users that aren't listening to this podcast think it's just the same stuff every year on the shelf. And I can't necessarily argue with that, but I could nitpick it and, you know see some things that that we don't normally see so the second category specialty stationary i think this is where like the the nerdery level and the geek level turn up a little bit and you really get like those passionate consumers like the passionate stationary users that are using stationary products all day every day where the previous category they might just, hey, want a nice you know, Pilot G2 every now and then because it helps with their notes, something like that. This is where the people like are digging into the tools that will help them do whatever they want to do better, whether that's note-taking, journaling, work, anything like that. Um, this is where, again, like I was alluding to earlier, this is where you have the bullet journal that was a really niche product that grew into almost a mainstream stationary product, right? As far as like the the path from brand new product to mainstream, the bullet journal crossed that people threshold. People know it. 
people just right. know it. Like, you know, so many people in my life are aware of it as a thing, as a concept. Even though, as we spoke about on the show in the past, what most people think of as quote-unquote bullet journal isn't actually bullet journal, and then it became this whole other thing. Right. Um, but the idea of bullet journaling is a whole thing, like coloring, you know? Yeah. All those kinds of things, they come about every now and again. But they're still specialty yeah. things. Not everybody does them, but they've they've hit the mainstream. Yeah. And, you know, I threw in things like the Traveler's Notebook, right? Mm-hmm. It's a real niche product, but it's very popular, especially for those who love it. And they that's where you have these customers that like spread the word, right? These are your these are like the super valuable customers here in this in this realm that they they take these these products very personally. I put in Retro Fifty One, you know, spoke design, all the Kickstarter pins, Hobonichi, like these are the the products that make the biggest difference for the people who like really, really nerd out about this kind of stuff, right? Like these are your passionate consumers. And this, I think, out of the three categories I listed is where we see the most innovation in the past decade or two, you know? But, you know, where are we at? Like the, like Blue Magister's question is like, are we in the peak of this category? Like have we, like have have we really kind of hit like the the top of the mountain here and where are we going to go from here? Um, I think there's more to come. I think it's also fair to say there's already a lot that has happened here and a lot currently going on here that makes it look like the top. Um, the consumers that shop in this category have a high level of knowledge. They know what they want. In general, they want the same thing over and over again. Once they discover the thing, they like the thing to stay the way it is, you know? Um there is room for growth there, but the customer base is smaller, right? Than the store brand pens and the 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 smaller version stationery that I was talking about before, right? It it just is. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a fact that this customer base is not as wide as your office supply stores. But this customer base is rabid for these products, right? Not only are they gonna be um great customers, they're gonna be, you know evangelize the brands that they you know support so these new and innovative products are always going to be given a chance right whether they break through like the bullet journal did that that's a different story but you have to start with the original innovation first and the previous category, if we're going to look at, have we peaked? So if I break down the store and standard pens, have we peaked there? If we haven't, we're pretty darn close. Especially stationary, I don't think we've peaked, even though we have a lot right now. And that may be the rose-colored glasses thing, and that may be because, you know, I'm always interested in finding new products and new tools that work. And we've had so many great successes from this category that maybe we've peaked, but I'd say less so than the previous category. The previous category may have peaked, but there's still innovation. This category I don't think has peaked, and there's a greater realm for innovation, and I hope we continue to see it here. Who do you think's going to do the innovation? We don't know. That's that's the point, right? Like, in the next five years, who's going to be... Does Retro 51 get a competitor in five years? Who's going to come up with something new on Kickstarter that's right. not the scribble pen? It's right? probably it's probably through the Kickstarter realm, I think. I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. 
more of these companies are going to come up, you know, like small companies that come from an idea and grow into a thing, you know? Right. Because it is, in a way, probably now, both easier and harder to do that than it was before. Yes. Harder in the sense that there are more people that want to do it, but easier in the sense of it is more possible now than it was before because to start a company like this doesn't require personal cash injections. The issue right. is now that there is a, a flood in the market. This is right. the same in all of these types of business, you know, all like small business realms like this that that can be started by a couple of people. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would agree with you that there is more of a desire um in the specialty world to innovate than there is in the standard pen world. Right. Right. Because you've, the consumer has taken a step Mm -hmm. from the first category. If they want to get into the second category, they've, they've made a, a, a knowledge step. They've made a purchasing step and they've, they've made these different decisions that put them in a different category. And then therefore they're out searching, but, like you were saying, like for the past 10 years, you know, we've been able to have high percentages of innovation, innovative products come out. And now like back to the original question is like, what are you going to show me that's different? And you know, the, the customers are out there for that, but I don't know what that is. Right. Like that's what I'm hoping and waiting and what we're all waiting to see. But I still think, when you have an individual behind it instead of like say a large corporation that could an individual can move faster and and break things mm-hmm. um as they say to see if something really innovative works and i think this is where we're going to get it all right this episode we're going to we're going to come back to this but let's take a break this yep. episode is brought to you by uni pizza ovens the world's number one pizza oven company they make surprisingly small ovens powered by your choice of either wood charcoal or gas so you can make restaurant quality pizza in your own backyard the temperatures that an uni pizza oven can reach it's 900 degrees fahrenheit 500 degrees celsius this is what makes you cook pizza that is restaurant quality in your own backyard in as little as 60 seconds their ovens are incredibly easy to use. They're really portable. They'll fit into any outside space. They have a couple of models that people really love. There is the Uni Coda 16. This uh, can cook up to 16-inch pizzas. It has an innovative L-shaped burner at the back. This is a gas-powered oven, and it will give you even heat distribution with its design. There's also the multi-fueled Uni Karu, where you can choose to use wood, charcoal, or gas to cook your pizzas. Their ovens start from just $299 and they're free shipping to the US, UK, and EU. Brad, tell uh, the Panic listeners why you love your uni. <laughs> it is the coolest, the coolest uh, pizza oven ever. It's one of the coolest accessories ever. The way it works and the amount of time it takes to cook your pizza to perfection is magical. And it's just one of those products that puts a smile on my face anytime and every time I use it. Not just the smiles on my face, but when I, we show other people what this does, it, it blows their mind and uh, they want to check it out for themselves. So you should. Listeners of this show can get 10% off their purchase of an Uni Pizza Oven, which is up to $50 off an Uni Coda 16. Just go to uni.com, that's O-O-N-I.com, and use the code PENADDICTFM21 at checkout. That's PENADDICT, P-E-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-F-M-2-1. 
Uh, when you're there, you'll also find a great range of accessories from peels to cutters to oven tables. Everyone wants one of these things, and that's why they're in such high demand. It is the perfect tool for the job of cooking fantastic pizza, so don't miss out. Uni Pizza Ovens are the best way to bring restaurant-quality pizza to your own backyard. Go to uni.com and use the code PENADDICTFM21 for 10% off. Our thanks to Uni Pizza Ovens for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Now comes the hard part, and this is why I put them in their own category: fountain yep. pens and inks. Like yep. this is the conversation we're out about to have. Like there, it's full of context and full of nuance, and everything can like you know, but this, but that. Like I, I, I get that this is a really complex category, but I think it's important, at least for us, to put it in context with the the, the rest of everything. So the the first question I posed is: This market healthy? The fountain pen ink market. I, it has to be like, I feel like it is, you know, I'm not a retailer. I don't know what their numbers look like, but I see the conversation and the product launches and, you know, kind of the the rolling through of products and how things are operating. It seems healthy to me as an outsider, even though, you know, I have inside information and context. I don't have like business like mm-hmm. info. Like, again, this is not a this is not an analysis. Um, this is an a thought process of what I feel. And I, it feels like it's healthy. Is this market innovative? I would argue no. And that I think it's harder challenging to say. Yeah. Like I'm certainly not certain about it. I think it's way harder to innovate in this in this category, I think, than some of the others. Right, right. So the key why I think the market's healthy and then as it relates to innovation, I do think we have a constant influx of new customers wanting to learn about fountain pens, right? I think I see that like when I go out to pen shows, even though it's been a couple years, I see that I see the conversations that I'm having online or in my email and people trying to figure things out. You know, fountain pens do have a barrier to entry, right? Like it takes a lot of extra to get into it for the first time. But once they get in, people seem to really be attached and taken by what fountain pens can offer, you know, how they improve your writing, how you can customize the writing experience. And I think that is growing. So like we were just saying, where is the innovation? And I want to be clear in kind of how I describe this because you can, you can yell at your, your speakers, you know, well, this is innovative and that's innovative, but for this market in this conversation, mainstream, fountain pen innovation where's the mainstream fountain pen innovation that we're seeing i'm not talking about mike stack nibs right that's micro like that is on a such a tiny fractional level that doesn't move the market as a whole right you know innovative innovative doesn't mean new or different innovative means you know it has to like move the market or be sustainable sustainable business on its own right standing on its own stack nibs yeah Sure, they're innovative, but that doesn't change the market. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I am looking at it from a bigger picture, from the bigger brands. Really, who, in out of all the big brands that we can name, and we can name 20 or 30 off the top of our head right here, who is moving the needle, right, from an innovation perspective? Um, I came up with the Platinum Curidus. I thought that was innovative. Even though retractable fountain pens have been around for, you know, 50 plus years, 
what they chose to do with that I thought was innovative in yeah, that they changed that. they changed the price point of what that product can be. Now, they may have failed, right? And maybe that goes against some of my sustainable, like innovation has to be sustainable. May but not be I a think they learned failure. something. They, 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 it just had a bit of a stumble at the start. Yeah. Like, I think we're still, we're still in wait and see mode on that. But I felt like that was good innovation. Um, I don't, like, I, I would love to hear what other people think are innovative. And, like, again, we're not talking about a nib grind, like, or something like that. Or, you know, just, I don't know, some, the really, really small niche things. I'm talking about bigger picture fountain pen markets. Like, who is, who is doing innovative things that are that are making real change. So the small makers are, I think, you know, this is a different conversation than the than the big manufacturers, right? The smaller makers are able to be more nimble and just try different materials and different finishes and different pin shapes and the new ink makers fall into this category too, right? There's new inks. <laughs> There's a new ink every week or every day it seems like popping up all over the world from the Asian market to the European market to the US market there's growth right and the market's healthy and there's opportunity is there innovation i don't know i'm shrugging my shoulders you can't see me i maybe i i don't know like who who is pushing the boundaries of what we already have like who is on the edge of doing something really unique and different um you know i look at some of the pinaferina stuff is one that comes to mind like they're pretty innovative but it's a really really high-end market which we're going to talk about that in a minute but for the most part your fountain pen brands that are known it's generally the same stuff you know, with different different colors, you know, a few different finishes, things like that. And th- I'm not saying that's bad. Like, I don't think that's bad at all. But if I'm being asked, is is Pelican innovative? I don't think they are. No, I don't think so. They're, I mean, one of the issues I think that can can stop this kind of thing for a brand, say, like Pelican, is part of their charm is that they're old fashioned. Yeah, that's that's coming up here, Mike. Like, like. That doesn't mean that they're not the best fountain pen company in the world, right? Those are two different questions. So now we get into like the price and that's where Pelican comes into this conversation and a lot of these other brands. So um, the cost of raw materials and manufacturing costs are, it's unequivocally rising. Like it just is across the board. No one is immune from this, you know, and how thinking about what we do and these manufacturers, how does this affect us? What does it mean for the future? I wish I knew. (laughs) It's a super interesting question. So here is where I light myself on fire and ruin my inbox, Mike, because this is the one statement I, I would like to make and I'm comfortable making it. I don't know that I have it completely fleshed out, but my gut tells me, Mike, that for the health of the fountain pen industry, nothing over the $200 price point matters. And here's where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. This is the zero to $200 price range 
has been and always will be the driving force in the fountain pen tree of life, if you will. We all go through that range. If someone's starting with a Mont Blanc 149, they're not necessarily in this market, right? They're not in what is sustaining the fountain pen market. What is sustaining the fountain pen market are, is the person who buys a Platinum Preppy decides that this is pretty cool. What's next? What can I explore? And then they buy a Twisby Eco. And then they buy, you know, I don't know, a Pelican M205. And then they buy a Leonardo. And then they're just kind of blown away by, look at all these options now. But that space, I think, is the most important space, right? Because once you get past like $200, you're getting into like specialty markets and luxury markets. And that's what I was talking about with Pelican before. Like, And I love these markets. I shop in these markets. You shop in these markets. There's nothing wrong with these markets. I want my fancy Nakayas and my fancy Namikis. I want them. But those aren't the things that dictate the health of the market that we're in. Those may dictate the health of the luxury market and the luxury end of these companies. But I think the under $200 price range has to carry the the bulk of the weight for these companies, right? From like a percentage of sales, like it's that is got to be where the money is made. And I I'm willing to be very wrong on this. And I would love to hear any commentary. Um, but this is that's the way I feel. Maybe it's because it's, you know, just my personal feelings and that's what I believe in. But, you know, for for every sailor in platinum and pelican that sees their prices increase, you know, these are these are big companies like take Pelican. If okay. gold goes up in price, do you know how many nibs they have to account for? I don't, but I imagine it's a lot. <laughs> Same with Sailor and Platinum yeah. and Pilot. Like, that is enormous amounts of money. Like, these are all huge operations. And so, as those prices increase, sometimes out of reach, and they, and let me be fair, to no fault of their own, right? You know, there there are different different ways to look at it, but, you know, if raw materials go up, consumers are going to get charged more. Is that Pelican's fault? Eh, I mean, again, context, nuance, there's lots of conversation. But as these prices go up, we start seeing a backfilling of the places that they used to hang out, right? You start getting Leonardo's or Mayor's or Tabaldi's, like backfilling these vacated price points that I used to, it used to be sailor, no brainer for like, you know, $140, $180, pilot the same way, platinum the same way. Well, they're gone now, right? They're up and out of there. Um, and you get new brands backfilling. Why is that where they're starting, the Leonardo's of the world? Well, that's where I think the most the biggest uh, impact consumers are in the fountain pen world. So, you know, you have those type of companies or you get more established companies like Lamy and Twisby who just double down in that zero to $200 category all day long, right? Lamy comes out with, you know, 10 different pens that have, you know, one has a different clip from the other one and one has a different section from the other one. It's not innovative, but they are hammering that price range mm-hmm. because their competition isn't there anymore, right? They're owning, like I, they're owning it, like it yeah. says. 
like, I want an ultra premium Lamy pen. Lamy says the market is not there. Our market is here and we're just going to double down on it constantly. So in five or 10 years, there's going to be another rotation, right? This, there's going to be a rotation. Maybe Sailor and Platinum come up with a new pen once they realize that they're not getting as much impact. They're not getting as many new customers because there's no path for them to get to zero to $450 like there is for them to get to zero to $200, which is more comfortable for a lot of people. So do we see innovation caused by just like a market reset because of the market factors that they're also having to deal with that are causing their prices to raise and for them to vacate their previously uh, popular price points where they used to be the dominant player. So it's interesting, right? So like I think about it, like, am, am I sad that I didn't buy a new sailor pin this year? I don't know, a little. I love that brand, right? Mm. But that ship sailed. Right, you like how I did that? That was pretty good. I was good um, to say it's, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's yep. Mm-hmm. I um, explain it. it it's no longer a good value proposition for me. Once I start considering spending four hundred and fifty dollars on a pen, well, I'm wanting to answer a different question than what sailors always provided me for. Oftentimes, much much less than that. So I've kind of moved on, right? So you know, if I'm going to take that money, I'm still going to spend. I'm still going to buy my high dollar fountain pens, but. I'm going to explore somewhere else that I haven't been before. Like I bought a Visconti Homo Sapiens this year, right? I've never owned one. They're a very expensive pen. It doesn't necessarily have to do anything with the cost, but Sailor is no longer that value to me that it was previously. So are they going to do something two, three years from now to to get me interested in a $140 pen? I would bet on it. Uh, eventually right because they can't just cycle out of these price points forever they're gonna have to come back um so it's just like the life cycle right these luxury goods makers they're just subject to these raw material costs and that cost is not going to come down right no one goes hey the cost of gold went down now our pens are cheaper that'll never happen but i don't think there's a shortage of companies that are going to step up and fill that void so maybe there's innovation there but we'll see, and it's certainly slower because of these big behemoth companies that that play around here. But I think it's—I just think we're going to continue to see the change in this sub two hundred dollar market, uh, which I think is great. And then everything else is just you know luxury market, and that's its own separate market. All right, before we head to an ad, real quick, I want to follow up on the Penafarina thing that I mentioned a minute ago. That I think they do some real innovative stuff. Again, at a real high price point. And hopefully, you know, the goal is like these are like concept car type <laughs> pens, right? That's not the thing that's going to move the broader needle of the innovation of, of the market, but it could trickle down to like get some better innovation in the lower end, which I think is what really is going to move this market in the end. See some innovation. Um, figure out how to, you know, reduce the impact of the cost of the raw materials. And I, I have I certainly have hope for this category. Um, but I think where the innovation is gonna happen is in that sub two hundred price range. You know, I actually do think we have something pretty uh innovative to talk about in our next ad break, at least something I haven't seen before. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's so this episode is brought to you by <laughs> Camero Industries, who are introducing Estabrook's newest Estes, the Pink Sands, which is limited to just 50 pieces worldwide. This exclusive pen is a nod to the natural beauty of some of the most enigmatic beaches around the world, found in places like Greece, Bermuda, and Indonesia. What's more, a pink nib was created in collaboration with Heinz Pens, as H-I-N-Z-E, Pens. That's unlike anything else in the market right now. The SD Pink Sands will feature all the usual bells and whistles that you'll find in the wonderful SD line. It is blended and turned with a mix of pink sands colors and a highly polished finish. A sleek clip provides a clean accent for the cap and slides easily to your shirt pocket. The fountain pen is also available in a complete range of points uh, for the way that you write, so you can find uh, all the nibs that you're looking for. To add to their mystique, the SD Pink Sands will be the very first to introduce the all-new Chroma nibs, this time in a coordinating shade of coral. So you need to go and see this pen. It's really stunning. If you want to get your hands on it, you've got to be quick because it's limited <clears> to just 50 pieces worldwide. 49 now because I bought one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as soon as I saw it, oh man, I fell in love with this. Because I mean, the thing for me that I really love is the pink nib. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this before. Yeah, so I, I've gotten to know Jim Hines a little bit over the years. And one of the first, maybe the second time I met him at a pin show, like he didn't have them the first time. And this is like four or five years ago, I'm guessing. Like the second time I met him, he's like, hey, look at all these nibs that I've done. And they were different colors, like red and, and blue. And over the years, it looks like he's perfected the process of having this type of of finish of this coating on the nib. It looks like extremely natural built into this pen. And that's like the highest compliment I could pay. It looks mm-hmm. like it belongs there, right? It looks like it belongs on the nib. It looks fantastic. I think it's, it's really, really nano cool. ceramic coating. Mm-hmm. And they say that even with the most corrosive of inks, it will not use the finish, lose the finish, I should say. Yeah. So this is a great combination. Like I love the pen, you know, like I love the design, you know, I love the, the, the bright colors, the beautiful pinks, pinks and like, and it's got to, that, that crystally look, but what, honestly, yep. what sold me was the nib. I'm like, yep. yeah, I want to see this. Totally. So, so like, <laughs> yeah. it's only 49 now, <laughs> <laughs> 49 available worldwide. Uh-huh. <laughs> so go check it out yourself at Pen Chalet. Go to friends at penchalet.com and you can see the new SD pink sounds from Estabrook. Our thanks to Camero Industries for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Huge, huge follow-up in the Ask TPA. Are we ready to go there? Are we done talking about the state of, state of the industry? I figure like we just scratched the surface, and I'll probably have a, plenty of follow-up once the, oh, uh, I have no the doubt emails start that. rolling in. I'm looking forward but, to everyone telling you why you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure that's I'm good with happen. that. Like, yeah, I'm okay because with that's being good because that means we're going to find some stuff. Yeah, uh, so I think I'm... it was last week, Gil asked, yep. is it diamine or diamine? And we mm-hmm. have some follow-up via Alan. Mm-hmm. Alan sent an email to the Diamine Corporation to get the correct spelling. And straight from the email, they spell it D-Y-E-A-M-I-N-E. That's the phonetic spelling. Phonetic spelling. Thank you. The phonetic spelling, Di-A-Mine. So there you go. Thanks for that uh, clarification. Thank you, Christine, for responding to Alan's inquiry and thank you Alan for <laughs> taking up the mantle of figuring us figuring it out now I'm going to have to break myself it's like the sino signo thing I finally say signo all the time 
but you say both of them for a while until you can officially like convert over. And I was always a diamine guy, so I'm gonna have to cut over to diamine. And uh, you know, feel free to uh, slap me down when I say it incorrectly. I'm happy that I was right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You were. Mike was right. Uh, Sky Blue asks, I just got my first pen, a Twisby Go, a first fountain pen, I should say, a Twisby Go, and I've run into a problem. I'm left-handed, and I have found that I keep accidentally rubbing off the ink that I just wrote as I write down a line. Any tips uh, from uh, for lefties to keep this from happening? Well, as the resident lefty, I think you should go first. Yeah, so I think one of the things that's the most important is the way that you hold the pen. Um, I developed a kind of like an overhand grip so that the nib is actually more facing towards me when I write. Now, this is complicated if you want to try and handle this, right? It's like you might mm-hmm. have to change the way you hold a pen. Right. Uh, yeah, that, this is a big question. Hard. Yeah, that is hard work and you might not enjoy it, but it might be, Sky Blue, that a, a just a slight tweak in the way that you hold the pen could be a big help. The other thing you want to do is make sure you have quick drying inks. So I went through this a long time ago um, and my kind of, we, I got a bunch of suggestions from other left-handed people um, on the show and ended up settling on the Pilot Iroshizuku line of inks when I was really kind of starting out and also at the same time trying to adjust my kind of writing style and grip. Uh, they dry very quickly, so that would be my recommendation. Try try getting some Iroshizuku. They have great colors and they're really good ink, but it dry really fast. Um, and that really helped as I then also kind of uh, changed my grip up a little bit. And that kind of helped me take it to the next part. So that's what I would recommend. Uh, start with some Iroshizuku uh, and then see if you can see how things go from there. But it is tricky. Uh, I'm pleased that you bought a Twisby Go as your first fountain pen and you yeah. didn't like, buy something mega expensive and then realize it's not for you. This is a difficulty, especially for left-handed people. Yep, you definitely want to think about the ink, and paper is also a consideration. You know, if you're using a coated paper like a Rhodia, it's going to, no matter if you have a quick-drying ink, it's still going to dry longer um, than it would to a non-coated paper. Um, so, you know, we can, I, feel free to email me, hello at penanic.com, if you want some paper recommendations. But, you know, things like Midori and Life and a few of those other brands, they're going to be a little bit quicker drying than something like a coated paper like a Rhodia or even a, a like a Lloyd Charm would be a good choice um, and while still remaining fountain pen friendly and handling your fountain pens well. So, yeah, it's 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 complicated. Yeah. All right. And the uh, next question comes from Chuckle Stuff who asks, how do you temper the desire to buy everything? I've been into fountain pens for about Mm -hmm. two years and have steadily built my collection. My problem is that I ordered six pens last (laughs) week and I have my sights set on more. I mean, I'm there, right? It's it's a time thing for me, a time and discovery thing. You know, I'm lucky enough to be able to try and test out a lot of things before I buy them. So I know what I like in a pen and, and what I dislike. So I'm able to chop down the list for my personal collection of pens better. Um, just understand that when we talk about FOMO, there's always going to be something else down the line that you don't have to have get things today. Like Mike could not wait for that pink pen because it's kind of perfect for him. Like I see why Mike wanted to jump on that Esterbrook, but like if you're you're hedging, you're like, oh well, it's if you're buying it because it's limited and it's not going to be there, you know, that's how you kind of like temper your expectations, knowing that hey, 
there's probably going to be something cool down the line, you know, a month or two down the line that might fit me better. Whereas this is a perfect fit for Mike. Maybe it's not a perfect fit for me or for you. So you think about these things, at least that's how I think about these things, in that there's always going to be something else down the line. If, you know, I can wait today, I'll hopefully be rewarded tomorrow, whenever that is. So, you know, don't overextend yourself. Uh, Be very careful about that. Figure out, out of all these pens that you've decided to buy, figure out why you like certain pens and why you dislike certain pens. And don't hesitate to rehome, resell anything, the pins that you don't like to keep your collection manageable. And then narrow your focus when you go shopping later. Just don't get caught up in the hype or the FOMO because yes. you're always going to have an opportunity later. And it, it took me a long time to realize. It took me a long time to get there, to be perfectly honest. Years mm-hmm. and years and years of just buying everything that, that flew across my screen or I saw in person at a pin show. And now I think like... For my own usage, my tastes have become more refined and I'm more locked down on this is exactly what is going to be good for me. That way I don't have to question it later after I've bought it, right? That's the worst thing to do is to buy something because of the hype and then question yourself later on why did I do that? And it turns out it was just because of the hype, not because the pen was a perfect fit for you. So it's a lot to think about. It's not easy. I'll admit I've been caught up in this stuff for sure. If you'd like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, you can send an email to hello at panatic.com or you can send a tweet with the hashtag AskTPA or use question mark AskTPA in the RelayFM members Discord. I would like to thank Kenro, Uni, and Harry's for their support of the show. If you want to find Brad online, you can go to penaddict.com, spokedesign.com, and twitch.tv slash penaddict. Brad is penaddict on Instagram, dowdyism on Twitter, Brad on micro.blog. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>